Well, again, welcome here to uh, Big Valley Grace. If you uh, have your Bible, take it and open it to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, okay? And as always, if you don't have your Bible, you know what, all of the verses are in your program and will show up on the jumbotrons or even on your screen at, at home. If you don't own a copy of the Word of God, one of the things that we do here at Big Valley Grace is hand out lots of Bibles, as you can imagine. That's what uh, the, the church, uh, one of its functions is, is that we're the pillar and support of the truth. This is where you're going to hear the truth of the Word of God. And so if you don't have a copy of the Bible, just go into the altar room when we're done. Over in the uh, venue, there's one. If you're watching online or listening on the radio, you can come down to the church on Monday and pick one up, and we'd love to give you a, a Bible if you do not own one, okay? Um, so Romans chapter 5. Now, in Romans, kind of our theme verse is Romans chapter 1, verse 16, where the great apostle Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of Jesus Christ, for it's the gospel that has the power to change our lives. And one of the things that we've been doing through this series is, uh, you know, we got this big church with thousands of people. It's hard to know each other. And so we've been doing these not ashamed videos. And this weekend, we decided we were going to do the not ashamed video live, okay? And it's for a particular reason. You see, Randy, my, my friend Randy Molander up here, um, great guy, loves Jesus. But his great gift to the body of Christ is not standing up and talking in front of people. Probably all of you or a good hunk of you are going, yeah, it's not my gift either. And, uh, and so we thought, what a great moment just to allow the power of God in him to shine through. And so uh, Randy has some buddies that he works with. And they gave him some stuff. Randy, why don't you, by the way, give it up for Randy. We do that. Thank Randy for being here. Come on. So your friends that you work with, they're, you know, what is, what is all this stuff? Uh, my name is Randy Bonander. I work at the uh, Meadows City Hills Maintenance Department, electrical room. Uh, that's my workplace. And uh, I try as much as I can to interject godly things, things about church into the uh, discussions because a lot of times uh, we talk about what's happened the night before the weekend and it, and, and frankly it's not always churchy topics <laughs> but uh, anyway I, I said hey guys uh, the church has asked me to give my testimony this weekend and of course that brought on a lot of discussions and I and they said well you know well, after a while they talked about it and they said we've kind of come up with a list of things that we think you should take with you that will really help you out and I told them thought about it while I said, you know, guys, I said, I'm going to go ahead and do that. Maybe make a fool of myself for Christ <laughs> and bring this stuff along. And if you'll either come to church or maybe watch the church video, it'd be worth it. But anyway, uh, they said, when you're up here, you're probably going to get all nervous and start sweating. So bring a hydrator, which I've got here. <laughs> uh, uh, of course, cough drops if I start tickling. Uh, if I feel I really tanked this thing today, they said you would want to cry or maybe it's an emotional thing. <laughs> and last resort, and then, of course, the water bottle. And uh, my wife, Sandy, she said, uh, you really shouldn't maybe open it and drink it up here. You might spill it. But I remember a couple of weeks ago, Rick, Rick showed me that it's okay if you're making a point to spill yeah, water all over the state. Throw it everywhere. Yeah, that's what I did. Yeah, I did. So, uh, and they said, last of all, if you really blow the whole thing, 
make sure you bring a barf bag. And not just one, <laughs> two. So uh, I brought that. And then uh, I've got my Bible here because uh, I want to make sure that as I share a little with you tonight that I remember this. It's not about me. It's about him. So uh, anyway, um, there's a scripture. I want them to pull up the passage, if they would, about Exodus. Uh, as you peruse this passage, uh, I'm going to give you a... Today is Sunday, that's football day in America, and I want to give you the, yeah. <laughs> I want to give you the NFL trans, uh, commentary translation of what's going on here. Okay, think of it, it's Super Bowl, the game. God's team has the ball, fourth and goal, five, sevenths left, five seconds left in the game. God wants to hand the ball to his star fullback, Moses, to punch the ball to the end zone, the promised land of football, Super Bowl trophy. Moses says, uh, no thanks, I can't do it. The defense is too strong for me. Hand the ball to somebody else. So God gives the ball to Aaron. Now we know that God eventually did great things through Moses, but I can relate to what Moses was feeling. I'm nervous too, I'm not eloquent. My tongue isn't to where I can really speak that well before people, and I've really never tried to do that. But. Uh, being up here in front of you, it's like the Super Bowl in my life, and I can, but you know, unlike Moses, I don't want God to hand the ball to somebody else to do this. So please pray for me through this testimony of sorts. And in my heart, I really want so much to share with you, my church family, uh, what God has put in my mind, but internally, I'm scared to death. So please pray for me to see this through. And the only thing I hate worse than disappointing God is to see the other team, that's Satan, win. Well, here's the deal, Randy. You've already gotten way better. Last night you stood up. Last hour you stood up. Now you're sitting on a chair. It's like, it's like he's taken over. Unbelievable. If we had one more hour, I, I guarantee you he'd be right here. You're slowly making your way forward, brother. Can I just say, I didn't have enough courage to say it before, but one thing they mentioned at work, and it, this is a non-churchy thing, one guy said, uh, you know, Randy, you ought to take it, and I don't drink, but they said, you ought to take a couple shots of vodka before you go. You might, you might push, push the pastor off the stage. I had to say that. Anyway, sorry. That's Not a, not, a, not a bad idea, and I think about it. So, so here's down. the deal. Randy, why don't you share with everybody what you did last Christmas with all these posters and all these things that, that we, we handed out. How did you work all that into the workplace? Well, uh, last Christmas, and my, my wife and I, we've only been going here about a year and a half, but we just love this. This is our church family. And... Uh, <laughs> But we heard about the Christmas program, how great it is, and I thought, well, I'm going to take a couple of tickets to work and invite some people, and I did that. And then the next Sunday, I saw a poster, and I went, get a little bit more braver. So I, I grabbed a poster, I took it to work and put it up on our, uh, in the foyer where we work, the maintenance department, all our trades are there. I put the poster up in the employee area. And then about a week before uh, the Christmas program, I said, well, what the heck? I went and grabbed it and put it right next to where they punch in and out. I thought I really wanted to see it. And uh, so uh, 
And that's what these are for. You please invite people. If you pray, and I found that out. Uh, if you pray, pray, and pray again, you need, to, you need to pave the way for anything you want to do in the Christian life with a foundation of prayer and grace because it will work if you do that. And you've got to have it in your heart. I, I love these guys at work. I know they're somewhat different than me. There are a few Christians that we share it with. Uh, but basically, uh, I, I really care where they're going to spend eternity. And I would be a really poor friend if I didn't. Hmm. So. So, so probably... Randy, you know, we're not all the same. God makes us all different. And there's a whole bunch of folks in here and over on the venue and watching online who they're much like you, a little uh, more introverted and all that. What would be some advice that you might give to those that are more like you, that aren't as boisterous about how they might uh, impact the place that they work or the people that they golf with? What, what, what's a key to all of that? Well, the thing is, is to... And once again, I, I can't emphasize enough, don't do it yourself. You have to pray and enlist the, the help of your Christian friends. Uh, there are prayer warriors that will be happy to help you with that. Talk to Big Valley. The, the staff here is wonderful. They've been, they've been praying for me to take care of this tonight. And it's, hey, it's, it's working. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But uh, use things like, uh, I use uh, the little daily bread uh, devotionals. There's stories in there that are real interesting, and sometimes I'll share them. Uh, share humorous things from, or things from the church uh, sermon that you heard, uh, humorous things, and believe me, Pastor Rick provides plenty of humorous stuff to share, <laughs> and I've done that a lot. Thank uh, you. But uh, <laughs> there's just lots of things. Uh, invite them to church functions. I brought a few guys, not only they, they came actually to the uh, Christmas program last year, and a couple of them came to the, the fight night. It's about marriage, and, and people are always concerned about marriage, so just make use of things that the church provides, and pray. They'll, believe me, they will, they will come. Hmm. Hey, would you do me a favor and appreciate this guy? Good man. Just one more thing before I leave. Okay. Either Somewhere out there or on the uh, video. The video. The people that have prayed for me to get through this. Uh, I want to say thank you. And, and I think I'm living proof that God answers prayer. Yeah, there you are, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I was, uh, I've been on my knees praying that he didn't have to use this at any of our, our gatherings. Uh, hey, look, some of you do own businesses or you have places where you work like Randy where maybe you can put up a, a, a poster or something like that. We've got them. Oh, there you go. Thank you. That's, that's for those who are, you know, different. Uh, <laughs> if you've had too many shots of vodka and, and, and your, your, your employees are on the floor, that might <laughs> look that better that way. Anyway, uh, we've got a whole bunch of these out in the information center. We want you to take them, put them up. 
And uh, folks, here's the deal. You know, we don't put anything in the Modesto B. We don't do anything like that. This place will be packed out because you, number one, are inviting your friends, you're handing out these tickets, and all of us are putting on our, our social media networks and all of the stuff, uh, our sites, the, the stuff that we create. And you may have one follower, but you can influence that one follower with your, with your post. You may have 100. It doesn't matter how many people are following you. You have an influence, and you need to use it. So go to the website, grab that stuff, put it on all your uh, sites, and, and let's just see what the Lord will do here as it relates to our Christmas program here in a couple of weeks. Well, here's the deal. Uh, At a church like Big Valley, or maybe most churches, um, we have people that are in this room right now, and and I see some of you, and you have walked with the Lord uh, longer than I've, you know, been alive. You have a very deep relationship with Jesus Christ. Your your maturity in the Word of God runs deep. You know all of the great doctrines of the faith. You can articulate all of the, 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 the great doctrines of the faith. You have, have been involved in studying the scriptures for a long, long time. Praise the Lord for that. But also, uh, we have people in this room who you came to faith in Christ last weekend. And 20 minutes ago, I told you to find Romans chapter 5, and you're still looking for it. You, you have no clue where it is, you know. And that's okay, because we've all been there. You see, physically, you're mature. Spiritually, you're not. And so when it comes to a moment like this, God's you know, house, if you will, is just filled with all kinds of, of people. Some of you know the Lord deeply. Some of you have just come to know Christ, and so I, I always try to, at least every now and then, give you one piece of advice, and that's this. Whether you know the Lord, you've walked with him a long time, or you just came to faith in Christ. And then that's this, when you, when you come to a gathering like this. Look, look for one thing. Just, just one thing. Maybe it was one thing you heard in a song. And for whatever reason, that one truth that was in a song, you, you just kind of hang on to that. Write it down in your notes, write it somewhere and say, man, I don't know why, but wow, that truth, for whatever reason, is just resonating through me. It could be something that that Randy said. Maybe just the fact that he said, hey, listen, you need to pray, pray, pray for your friends. If if that's the one thing you get and you get up here in a minute and walk out of here, go have lunch or whatever, and all week long what's resonating through your brain is I need to pray, pray, pray for my friends, uh, that's a win, Okay. Maybe there's going to be one thing I share in this message, and you go, wow, that's the one thing I'm going to walk out of here, and I'm going to apply it to my life. You see, the Bible tells us that we're not just to be hearers of the word, but we're to be doers of it also. And sometimes you can come to church, and with all the music and the testimony and all the preaching, man, you can walk out of here going, man, I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with all this. I got 14 different things and it's just all jumbled up in my mind and, and maybe the best thing is to just find one thing. And you go, okay, that's the thing. I'm walking out of here today as a follower of Jesus Christ. I heard from the Lord today 
And that's the thing I'm going to really apply to my life. Now, for some of you, for many of you, you can take multiple things and deal with multiple things. But it's okay to be here and say, I'm going to zero in on one thing. And I don't know what that one thing will be for you, but it might be something different for everybody in here, and that's okay. Now, before I get into the message, let me just remind everybody of where we've been in our study of the book of Romans. Paul, who was the author, writes a letter to the Christians who were at Rome, who lived in Rome. And so imagine a church group like this that was in Rome. He writes a letter to them. He had never been there before. Some of them knew who he was, but probably the majority of the people didn't really know who Paul was. So he writes them a letter. And in the letter, the first three chapters of Romans is all about the problem we all have. He lays out sin and the consequences of sin. Paul tells us that all of us are sinners. We've all been impacted by sin. And because of sin, the wrath of God hangs over our head. That's Romans chapters 1, 2, and 3, the problem. Then you get to chapters four and five, and Paul begins to lay out the solution to the problem. And the solution is Jesus. Jesus was the good news. He was the gospel. He was the long-awaited Messiah. Jesus is the one who can um, uh, rid us of the infection of sin. He's the one who can take the wrath of God uh, from hanging over our heads, okay? Now, when you get to chapter five, Paul has one thought in mind. Paul's thought is this. There's gonna be people sitting in the church, especially Jewish people, Jewish believers. There may be unbelievers who are Jewish sitting in the church service that day, and their question will be this. All right, Paul, you spent the first three chapters talking about how ugly and crummy sin is and, and the horrible impact that sin has had upon everybody's life. And then you say the solution is Jesus. One guy. You're trying to tell us that one guy can fix the problem? that you laid out in Romans 1, 2, and 3, one guy can fix the problem of sin? How, how, how does that work? How can one individual fix the crummy impact that sin has had in our lives? And so you get to Romans 5, and Paul begins to talk about one man named Adam and the impact that Adam had on all of us. And he's gonna make a uh, comparison and contrast between Adam, one man, and Jesus, who was one man. He's gonna make a number of comparisons. And in our text today, it's gonna sound like Paul's saying the same thing over and over and over again, but, but he's, he's not. He's just going to show us many facets of this one man named Jesus in relationship to one man named 
uh, Adam. Because the Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 that one man, Adam, he sinned. He disobeyed God, and we have the mess that we have today. But there was another man, Jesus, and he fixes the mess. And so let's read our text together, okay? Look at verse 15. Paul says, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin that you read about in Genesis chapter 3 and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different from the results of that one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to our being made right with God, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness. For all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Paul says, Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everybody, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. So just as sin ruled over all people and brought them to death, now God's wonderful grace rules instead, giving us right standing with God and resulting in eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now, as I said, I'm going to stop there. It kind of sounds like he's saying the same thing over and over and over again. I get it. But I want you to look down. If you've got a ring on that has a diamond on it, I want you to look down at that, that diamond ring real, real quick. Just, just look at it. And maybe you might be able to get a light to, to shine on it. You see, one of the things that makes a diamond so beautiful, the reason why it sparkles so much, isn't because there's one facet. If there was just one facet, it wouldn't be that pretty. It wouldn't be that beautiful. You wouldn't put it in a ring if it just had one facet. But a diamond has a whole lot of facets. It's one diamond, but there's all these facets. And when the light hits it, it's bouncing off all of these facets, and it just makes it beautiful. It makes it sparkle. It makes it really valuable. And that's what we're, we're seeing in this text. It looks like, and it sounds like, Paul's saying the same thing over and over again, but he's not. It's just that he's, he's layering this great truth with many facets, and that's what makes Romans chapter 5, especially these verses we're going to look at, so, so beautiful, like, like a diamond. So let's look at some of these comparisons, okay? The first one is this. We're going to look at Adam's sin versus... God's gift. And we find this in verse 15. Paul says, but there's a great difference between Adam's sin and God's gracious gift. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace 
and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. Some of your Bibles, if you have the NIV version, it says this, but the gift, God's gift, is not like the trespass, Adam's sin. For if the many died by the trespass, by the sin of Adam, how much more did God's grace and gift and the gift that came by the grace of this one man, Jesus Christ. Now the word trespass, it, it simply means um, uh, don't go beyond this, this point. We, we've all, I don't know, been out hunting or fishing. Maybe we were walking on some land and we come across a sign that says, no trespassing. We, we've come up to a gate or a fence and there's a sign on it that says, no trespassing. Whoever owns the land is telling you at that moment, don't go here. Do not trespass. It's not okay to come on to my land. Well, in Genesis chapter three, God tells Adam, Adam, it's all yours as far as the eye can see. All the fruit, it's all yours. Enjoy the garden. But there's one tree over there. No trespassing. Don't trespass. You're not allowed to go beyond that spot. That you're to, to stay away from. It was a, a simple command that God gave Adam. It's all yours, but no trespassing on that one piece of land over there. But, as we all know, one man, Adam, looked at the no trespassing sign, and what did he do? He trespassed. He said, God, I don't care that you have a sign up that says no trespassing. I'm, I'm going there anyway. I'm going to eat that fruit anyway. It doesn't matter what you tell me, God. I'm doing it. One guy. And because he made the decision to trespass, we're all doomed today. But God stepped in and gave us a gift. A free gift. The gift of his son, Jesus Christ. And this free gift is way, way different than Adam's sin. Adam's sin brought death. God's gift brought life. Adam's sin brought death. God's gift brought grace. Adam's sin brought death. God's gift brought justification. Adam's sin brought death. God's gift brought righteousness. Adam's sin brought death. God's gift brought reconciliation. Adam's gift brought death. God's gift brought cleansing. When you think about it, Adam's sin was somewhat one-dimensional. It, it had one facet. When he blew God off, when he trespassed, all it did was bring death. Physical death, for sure. And more importantly, spiritual death. But God's gift was multifaceted. It literally opened up the glories of heaven. That's why Paul says the gift, Jesus the gospel, the good news, is not like the trespass. One man 
trespass, death, one man, Jesus, an unbelievable gift. Unbelievable gift. I was looking at this verse this past week and I couldn't help but think how much God hates sin. I mean, one sin, one little trespass condemned the entire human race. One sin separated us from God. One sin doomed us all for hell. You can understand why God hates sin so much. Even one little sin. Don't eat from the tree, Adam. Don't do it. I don't care what you say, God. And he eats. And it just, it just brought death. It just brought, brought so much pain and sorrow and suffering. But this verse also teaches us how much God loves sinners. And he proves it in his response to the trespass. You see, most guys, gals who own some land and they put up a sign that says no trespassing, if you trespass, they get on the phone and call the sheriff. Don't you come on my land. You're trespassing. Or, or maybe worse. Maybe they'll let the dogs go. <laughs> Next thing you know, you, you got a Rottweiler on your leg or whatever. Adam, one man, trespass. And what was God's response? He sends the second person of the Holy Trinity, Jesus, one man, to come and make it all better. He sent a gift, didn't he? The gift of grace, the gift of his son. Comparison number two, the death that Adam brought versus the life that Jesus Christ brought. This is just another facet to the comparison between Adam and Jesus. Verse 17 says, for the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Okay, Adam infected humanity with death. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Here's the deal. Yes, Adam infected humanity with death, but in a far greater way, Jesus Christ injected humanity with life, eternal life. You see, death reigns as a tyrant over us due to Adam. But because of Jesus, we as his followers receive God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's mercy. So instead of having death ruling over us as a tyrant, we now reign in life with Jesus. And not only someday when we get to heaven, that certainly will be the apex of the life that we have with Christ. But we can experience a life, a different life right now as followers of Christ. I love what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, for since death came through a man, and that man was Adam, he was the one who trespassed, the resurrection of the dead also come through a man. That's Jesus. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all shall be made alive 
Paul says in Colossians chapter 2, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. And then there are these famous words by Jesus himself, who said that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. And then he says, but I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, okay? You're thinking, well, hey, pastor, if Adam's sin, when Adam trespassed in the garden in Genesis chapter three, we all became sinners, right? Nobody had a choice. Does Jesus's obedience make everybody a saint? I mean, this would be somewhat logical, wouldn't it? In other words, since everybody became a sinner because of Adam and we had no choice, then everybody must be saved because of Jesus. And by the way, there are many people who actually believe this. It's called universalism. Rob Bell is a universalist. Henry Nowen was a universalist. They basically say that our duty isn't to go out and save anybody, but to simply tell them that they're already saved. They just don't know it. And then once they know it, then they'll start acting like it. You see, you can read this particular uh, piece of scripture and think, well, okay, hold on here. So Adam sinned and we all became sinners, right? Uh Uh-huh. So when the other man came, Jesus died on a cross and walked out of the tomb, then that makes us all saints. But that's not what... Paul or the Bible teaches. Unfortunately, there are churches in our town that will teach that blasphemy. There are uh, preachers in this town that will teach that. I've seen a number of guys on the television or on the radio who teach that demonic doctrine. I want you to look at verse 17 again. For the sin of this one man... Adam caused death to rule over many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it. Key words are for all who receive it. That's our responsibility. Yes, Jesus has made salvation possible to everybody, but a person must choose to accept the gift to gain the benefits of the gift, you see. If I stood up here and I had a um, $1,000 gift card to Target or, or Lowe's and I were to, you know, say to, I, I don't know, Randy, hey, Randy, I got a free gift up here. It's a $1,000 gift card to Lowe's. You can go to Lowe's and buy anyone, $1,000, man, here it is. It's a free gift. If Randy just stays in his chair and he doesn't come up and get it, it doesn't mean anything. Doesn't mean a thing. But if one of you were to get up and go, well, hey, listen, I, be- I believe there's a thousand bucks on there. I'll take it. And you came up and you took it. And you believed that there was a thousand bucks on it. You just scored, right? Now all of a sudden the free gift means something. You have to receive the gift. Or to mean anything. You got to believe 
that there really is a thousand bucks on the card. Otherwise, it doesn't do anybody any good. Certainly not you. Comparison number three, the condemnation that Adam's disobedience brought versus the justification that Jesus Christ's obedience brought. And we see this in verse 18. Yes, Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone. But Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Because one person obeyed God, many became sinners. Or one, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. See, one man, Adam, sinned, and that plunged the, the human race into condemnation. But one man, Jesus Christ, makes it possible for all, all men to be saved or to be justified or to have a right standing with, with God. I, I shared this quote with you last week. The power of Jesus Christ's obedience trumps Adam's act of disobedience. Jesus' act of obedience, living a perfect life, a holy life, is greater than Adam saying, I'm going to trespass against God. Way, way, way greater. Let me ask you a question. Do you think Adam and Eve wanted to die when they trespassed and ate the fruit, whatever the fruit was? You think it was a, a suicide pack? Hey, let's go trespass. Let's blow God off. Let's go sin and let's just die. I mean, life is so horrible, right? It's just the two of us. Can't, can't handle being around you anymore. Let's, let's, let's end this thing. <laughs> no. They thought they were going to become like God. But their sin had just the opposite effect. It didn't make them more like God. It made them more unlike God. In other words, their, their action produced the exact opposite results that they were expecting. Think about it. After Adam and Eve trespass, they say, God, I don't care you put a sign up. I don't care you told us not to eat it. We're eating it. Where do we find them? We find them hiding under a bush. They're ashamed. Something horrible had happened and they don't want to, even, they don't want to be in God's presence. Listen. I can guarantee you that when they sinned, they had no idea just how crummy that was going to be. They thought it was going to be a good thing. They thought it was going to make their life better. Funny how sin does that, huh? Sin really, when it's all said and done, really has the opposite effect on us all. And I want you to listen. Jesus' obedience was nothing like Adam's disobedience. And that what Jesus did had the exact effect God wanted it to have. In other words, when you surrender your life over to Jesus Christ, you get exactly what God says you're going to get. You'll be made right with him. God will look at you just as if you'd never sinned. Sin will have the opposite effect. Adam's trespass had the opposite effect. 
But God says, the other man, no, 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 no. When you take him into your life, exactly what I say will happen. That's what happens. That's what happens. And comparison number four, God's law versus God's grace. Verse 20 says, God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were, but as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. Now, there's always one big, huge question that always comes up when you talk about the law or the Ten Commandments, and that is this. Where does the law, where do the Ten Commandments fit into all this? In other words, where where does the uh, Ten Commandments fit into salvation? That's a great question. You know, I mean, you know, where do those Ten Commandments you know, laws, how, how do they fit into this whole thing about being saved? Well, Paul answers the question right here. God's law was given so that all people could just see how sinful they were. In fact, let's do a little test. The first four of the great Ten Commandments all deal with your relationship with God. That's what they're all about. So let, 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 I want us to do a test, okay? The, the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me. Now, the point of the Ten Commandments, look, is this. You have to have lived them all out perfectly from the moment you were born. There's no, you know, do-overs. You don't get a mulligan. The law was given that if you lived it out perfectly, then you and God were going to be great. So let's just go through these, okay? Was there ever a moment in your life when God was not the number one priority in your life? Was there ever a moment in your life where, you know, man, I've always worshiped God. God has always been number one in my life. Or maybe there was a time in some of your lives when you didn't even believe in God. There was a time in my life I didn't believe in God, so I was already, eh, I was already messed up. But for some of you, you might be out there and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, when I came out of the womb, you were singing kumbaya, kumbaya, my Lord. And man, you just, you know, you've been worshiping God ever since you, you could imagine. The second one is this, you shall not make for yourself an idol. God says, listen, I don't want there to be anything in your life more important than me. I don't want you to have any other gods before me, and I don't want there to be anything in your life that is more special to you than I am. So that means you you never said, my children are my life. If you said that, then you already messed up number two. Because your kids aren't to be your life. Jesus is to be your life. He's it. But you know what? It could be that there's somebody in here who goes, you know, I'm two for two. Uh, I I worship God always, and I've never had anything in my life that's ever taken the place of God in my life. Okay, two for two. Okay, let's get to number three. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. I was already out. I'm, I'm 0 for three. Okay, now some of you, I get it. You came out singing Kumbaya. You've never, you know, had anything more important than God in your life. And man, you've never misused his name. Never. Praise the Lord for that. Let's get to number four. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. God says, hey, listen, because I'm the number one thing in your life, right? I mean, you came out singing Kumbaya and you don't have anything that's more important than me and you've never used my name in vain, then this fourth one's a no-brainer and that is you always have a moment that you set aside that's special where you worship the Lord 
You, you, nothing ever gets in the way of that. Vacations, your kids' soccer games, nothing. You, the, man, there's a day in your life that is just really holy, man, and I, it's set aside just for the Lord. I don't work. I don't do anything like that. I'm over four. Okay? Let's get to the, the next six. Now all deal with our relationship with each other. So the first four of the great Ten Commandments are all about our relationship with God. Now we're going to get into our relationship with each other. Number five, honor your father and your mother. It doesn't say you have to agree with them, but you have to honor them. My stepmom's up there, and she'll tell you I honored her every moment of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know, probably I was a good 90%, you know, maybe. 80 Make it 70. Is <laughs> there ever a moment when you dishonored your parents? Some of you are going, man, Pastor Rick, I'm five for five. Good. All right, we're, we're good. Let, let's go on to number six. You shall not commit murder. Now, that might be the, 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 the gimme. Now, at Big Valley Grace, we do have a couple of people in our church that committed murder. And they spent a lot of time in prison. They paid their debt to society. And they're a part of our church family. But probably for most of us, we're golden. We all get that, at least for me. I'm good on that one. I'm good. I'm one for six. I'm one for six. I already goofed up the first one, and that put me out of the thing, but I'm one for six. How about you shall not commit adultery? By the way, now I'm two for seven. I'm two for seven. My average is going up. It's unbelievable. You shall not steal. Ever stole a pencil from work? A piece of paper? That didn't belong to you. Your boss bought that kind of stuff. You ever stolen anything? Wasn't yours? You know, mom wasn't looking. You were a kid. She's not going to miss a quarter. And you took the quarter, you know, and went and bought an ice cream or something like that? Some of you, I'm sure, are going, you know what? I'm good. I'm golden. I'm really great. Number nine, you shall not give false testimony. In other words, you shouldn't lie. <laughs> I... I'm not even, I'm not even going to make an all-star team with the average I got. I mean, you ever told a lie? Uh, tell them I'm not home. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, have you ever, any, anybody, oh, never, never told a lie. Any little dinky lie. And I'm sure there's somebody in here who would stand up and say, I've never lied. And guess what? Boom, you just lied. <laughs> you just you, we just, I just nailed you. I just nailed you right there because there's nobody who's going to do that one. There just isn't anybody. I guarantee it. And then you get down to uh, number 10. And this was the one that the great apostle Paul struggled with. You shall not covet. You, sh you shouldn't envy what other people have. In other words, be content with what you, what you have. If you've got a nice three-bedroom home, are you content with that? Or do you got to have four bedrooms? You're content with your backyard or you gotta have a pool. I gotta have a pool. The Joneses have a pool. I need a pool. In fact, we don't have any money, honey. I don't care. <laughs> I, I got a pool now. <laughs> car gets you from point A to point B, but that car ain't good enough. I need another car. I want a better car. See, the point of the Ten Commandments was never that you would live them all out perfectly from the moment you were born so that you could be right before God. God gives those 10 things, you know why? 
He just wanted you to know that Adam's sin has infected your life. He just wanted to make sure that you understood the power of that one man, that his sin has impacted you because nobody has lived that out perfectly. That wasn't the point of the law. The point of the law was simply to remind you, yeah, Adam has goofed up my life. He has. The law simply proves that Adam's sin has spread to everybody. Paul said this in Galatians chapter 3, so the law was put in charge to lead us to Christ. You look at that list and you go, man, I'm goofed up. I've blown it. I've trespassed. Uh-huh. And you're doomed for hell. Uh-huh. Well, uh, what do I do? I, I need a Savior. Today in the town of David, a yeah, Savior has been born for you. The gospel was born for you. The good news was born for you. God gave those 10 great commandments that you would just simply see how goofed up you are and that you would go, well, I gotta do something. What do, what do I do? How do I fix this problem? And hopefully there's somebody like a Randy who puts a Christmas musical up at the water, you know, thing, and you see it, and you come, and they go, oh, Jesus is the Savior. That's why we got all the trees, and the wreaths, and the, and the, and the you know, all the decorations. It's because we're celebrating the day that the Savior came, you see? Because we needed one. I remember once I was speaking at this camp years ago and there were, I don't know, five or 600 high school kids that were coming and we all got to the camp and the, the, guy, the band was bringing all the, the you know, cables and mics and stuff because they were the band. And so we all got there early, you know, and I'm, we're all bringing the stuff into the stage and putting the drums up and guitars and you know, and all the, 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 you know, the mic stands and all the stuff. And, and, you know, we got all the monitors up and all of a sudden somebody said, hey, where are all the cables at? And the leader of the band was looking around. He went out to the van, looked in the van. He had forgot the cables. That means none of the guitars would work, none of the mics would work. I wouldn't have a mic and 600 kids are going to be here, you know, in four hours kind of a thing. The church that they were from was, was, was three hours away, so it had three hours there, three hours back. He's not going to make it back for the opening of this camp, and that's always the big deal, the big opener of the camp. And this guy was just bummed out. I mean, he was so bummed. We had all the stuff and no cables. And he comes up to me and he goes, man, I really fumbled the ball. He was just, he was broken. About that moment, this guy comes in from the church. He was a counselor. He wasn't in the band, but he was a counselor from the church. He was going to have a cabin full of boys. And he comes in and he goes, hey, when I left the church, I found these boxes. They're full of cables. Did you need them? 
okay? And uh, all of a sudden, you know, the guy runs back and hugs him and, ah! And he said this. He said, thanks for picking up the ball that I fumbled. And I remember thinking, in Genesis chapter three, Adam fumbles the ball. He trespassed. But God cared about us so much that he sent another man to pick up the ball and run with it and score the touchdown for us. I told you last week that every one of us is an Adam. We can't help it. But you don't have to stay in Adam. You can experience a, a second birth, a, a new birth that's from above, a, a birth that will put you into Christ. One man goofed us all up. One man makes us all better if you have a relationship with him. All right, here's the deal. Here's what I want to do. Gonna just kind of lay something out here for you. So the first section took us three months to go through it. Romans 1, 2, and 3. The problem, sin. Romans 4 and 5 is all about the solution. The solution's Jesus. He's the, he's the solution to the problem. Now we've finished the second section, and starting in January because we're going to be in Christmas, and I got a Christmas message next week, and then we got the Christmas musical, and then Christmas morning we're in here. We're, it's going to be January we start the third section of Romans. Now, now, see how brilliant Paul is. Here's our problem, sin. Here's the solution, Jesus. And now that you have Jesus, how should you live? What's the walk of faith look like? What does the sanctified life look like? Now, now that you understand the problem and you, you now know the solution and you've received the solution, hey, Christian, how should you live? What should, what should your life look like? Knowing those two great truths. And like I said, we will get there in January. Okay, everybody over in the venue, stand up. Everybody in here, stand up. Let me pray. Father, I just want to thank you, Lord, for um, this weekend. I'm grateful for Randy uh, coming up here and sharing how you're at work in his life with the guys that he works with. I'm grateful that he is a light in a dark place. He is fulfilling um, your command to us that we would live lives worthy of our calling. Continue to use him at work, Lord. May his testimony um, encourage us all to live holy lives. May we get out there and invite our friends and family members to our great Christmas program. Lord, I hope there was one thing that everybody could walk out of here with and say, that's the thing I need to focus on this week. Maybe there's more than one. I, I don't know, God. Maybe it's just that we would be grateful people. Maybe we'd be excited about learning about the sanctified life, how we're to live now that Jesus has fixed the problem of sin. 
God, give us a, a great afternoon, regardless of whatever it is we do. And I pray this in your name and all of God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Christ.